It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we are joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to dive into the 2023 NBA draft, but also preview the Thunder season and the young players on this team. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Our Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. And on today's show, we are joined by hosts of Locked On NBA Big Board, Richard Stamen at Mass Draft on Twitter to discuss the 2023 NBA Draft and the upcoming Thunder season. Richard it's exciting because we're sitting here right before the NBA season. And with that comes the start of the college season in a couple of months as well. So it's about to all come rushing back for yet another draft cycle. How are you doing in preparing for this 2023 class? You know, it was a nice uh, little what two months off pretty much of like deep diving and everything. Uh, getting back into it, though, training camps, not even a week away. So excited to get back into that. And the 2023 draft is fun from early discuss like early just discovery it's been so much fun i'm really excited for the college season now i think that this draft will have a ton of intrigue and we'll talk about that draft uh in a moment but first i want to talk about the 2022 draft because we haven't gotten a chat about the thunder draft class which they bring in chet holmgren jalen williams usman jang and then another jalen williams let's start with jalen williams out of santa clara what are your thoughts on him? Because I DM'd you a few days or weeks before the draft asking, you know, what's his range? You know, how could the Thunder get their hands on him? And then they ended up drafting him at pick 12. What, what is your thoughts on Jalen Williams as a player, but also as fit in OKC? Yeah, who knew the, the cost of getting him was pretty much like, I mean, sitting where they were and then uh, pretty much, you know, we'll, we'll get to the next guy, but sell, taking advantage of a team completely going all in for a free agent. Uh, I really liked Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. He was somebody who, when I first watched him, he actually played TCU. And for those who don't know, like I'm credentialed at TCU and the game was in Santa Clara. So I didn't go to it, but I still watch all the TCU games just to kind of brush up my knowledge. And I was like, dang, this guy's like really impressive him. And uh, there was one other guy uh, that I can't remember. I know they also played like the West coast conference had two games versus TCU, but Jalen Williams is just really impressive. When I first watched him, I thought he was left-handed until he took a jump shot which just speaks volumes to how good he is with both hands. He's pretty much ambidextrous. One of the very most ambidextrous prospects I've ever seen for a not top five prospect. So I really like him. You add in the fact that he's a good athlete, good shooter. 
plays good off-ball defense, probably has a good foundation for defense, uh, despite the fact that, you know, he's a little bit slow against drives. I think he's a pretty complete player who can compete day one. I'm interested in him. I, th- I think that he can make an, a winning impact, as you said, like day one and really impact this rotation. But somebody who might not be there day one but projects to be very good is Usman Jang. What are your feelings on the Thunder taking Usman Jang just for the sake of, you know, trading three future first round picks for him and kind of what is the end goal? Like it, it, for this to be worth it, Usman Jang looks like what? Well, what, what were the picks they gave up again? So they gave up the, the, the Washington pick, uh, a Detroit pick, and uh, basically they gave up what they got in the Shingoon package to, to get him. Okay. So, I mean, it's not like, yeah, they didn't give up super valuable picks. So for me, it's like, I mean, again, they kind of took advantage of the Knicks going after Jalen Brunson to get this. And he's such a high upside pick, Usman Jang. Um, I, I think he was hard to evaluate. I think COVID really made things hard for him because you look at his first 11 games and he averaged four points, two rebounds a game, one assist on 25% shooting and 15% from three with just four free throws. After that, if you split the season pretty much in two, let's just round, give an extra to the second half. 12 games, he averaged 13 points a game, four rebounds, one assist on 48% shooting, 35% from three, 23% – or excuse me, 23 total free throws. For me, I feel that his feel for the game is really strong. I think he understands the game. He's going to be – and that's going to get him meaningful rotation minutes right away, excuse me, and what makes him an actually useful player for year one, even though they don't need him to be that for year one. I think that's going to be helpful. He's also a really good defender for whatever reason that almost went underrated for a lot of year on draft Twitter. Uh, blew my mind a little bit, but for long-term, what you want from him is the idea, in my opinion, of why I was sold on him was he runs pick and rolls, he shoots, and he defends. When you're 6'9", 6'10", and being a mismatch ball handler, and you can do all three of those things, you're a really talented player, and you're a starter-level player. So what, what do you think – is that ceiling for him? Is it just to be a starting level player? Can he be like an all-star in your mind or, or kind of like his, his tools are very intriguing. So like, what is that, that ceiling if it all went perfectly for him? Yeah, I think it's a fringe all-star. Uh, you look at somebody like Tobias Harris, I think you're looking at a very similar outcome and, and that doesn't sound flashy right away, but how many times have we thrown in even at the, like, even if it's only for a little bit, Tobias Harris has been in the mix for all-star several years. Like it's, he's not the flashiest name to be an all-star in the mix for but like he still is in the mix because he's really productive and he helps his team a lot on both ends. And then, of course, we got to talk about Chet Holmgren. He's out for the year. Uh, firstly, did anything you saw at Summer League kind of change your perception of Chet Holmgren at all? Or kind of what was your broad sense of Chet Holmgren for those that don't know? Yeah, I love Chet. So for me, it was I, I wasn't sold on him at first because I felt his skinniness really did impact his game. And then I started watching more and more. The Texas Tech game was what scared me. It wasn't one of his, I think it was actually one of his worst games. And I didn't realize at the time I was probably just being stuck in the moment. So I, I rewatched it. It wasn't too bad. And then you look at games like the Memphis game in the tournament where he absolutely shut down Jalen Duran. And Jalen Duran had like 70 pounds on him and was trying to be physical and Chet still won. For me, it was the fact that you have a seven foot ball handler who, or not really ball handler, but just a positionless player who can stretch the floor, elite at transition threes, uh, above the break, incredible instincts, can handle the ball, can defend multiple areas of defense, 
has a really lethal move all ready to go to on, on the drive with a spin. Just all these tools at seven foot that are just unheard of. And, and for me, it's like even if he only plays 50 regular season games a year and plays in the playoffs fine, he's worth a top three pick, like top two. Could have, for me, like for Orlando, I wanted him number one in hindsight with no disrespect to OKC or anything, just knowing that he got hurt. I, I'm happy how it played out. So I like him a lot. Um, there's a chance they now pair him, though, with a, a very similar player next year, so which is going to be fun. And we'll talk about that pairing coming up, but I do want to end the 2022 draft class with Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. And uh, this is a guy that, I'm be honest with you, I wasn't sold on when they drafted him. I didn't think – I thought that there was better value on the board at 34 than Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. But I do believe that there's a pathway for him that is very niche, but also needed at times on teams. I think that if he comes in, draws the charges that he always does – does the dirty work that he can become a guy who is a highly impactful role player that, that is able to be in your rotation on a winning team. Is that the same ceiling that you have for him or is it lower or higher? Yeah, I, I like him a lot. So it's funny because I think about it and like Jeremiah Robinson or last year was absolutely my guy. Like I had him in the lottery rankings. Oklahoma city took him at a very similar spot. They take Jalen Williams. I really, I don't have Jalen Williams lotto, but like, I do like him. I'm starting to wonder if, uh, if like they're listening, like send a bat signal or something, like send something my way. Cause these are two power forwards. So I really do like that have just modern games for me. It was like, you look at a blend of some of these guys who just do a lot of the dirty work and they end up winning players. You look at Taj Gibson, Cody Zeller. It's not the flashiest names by any means, but they do a little bit of everything. And Jalen Williams, what separates him from those two guys, I think though, is that, He's raw and has a lot more upside. You look at the shooting is something Taj Gibson had it more than Cody Zeller or anything, but like, I think he can shoot threes and hit pump fake one dribble pull up, which is lethal as a big man to take that, that if it's a, assuming it's a center closing out on you automatically, you have four defenders left and none of them can protect the rim. That's huge. So I like everything he brings to the table, whether it's some playmaking, whether it's the defensive instincts and switchability, whether it's the finishing, even if he's below the rim finisher, he has great touch at the rim, any of that stuff. He always has something to make himself impactful. And like Jeremiah Robinson, you need those kinds of guys. I'm really excited to see how they pair off of each other because you have two players who do anything to be positive players at all times, it feels like. So with that overview, I'm going to ask you this question about every player. So you can go ahead and just write a tat tat through them. Grade the players in the sense of if you were the head coach tomorrow, you know, you're, you're the head coach of the thunder. Are you putting these guys as, as in your rotation as a starter, a high rotational piece or a tweener, which I'm going to say is like they're in the rotation sometimes, but oftentimes they're playing with the blue playing in the G league, trying to get accustomed to it. So for, of course, Chet Holmgren, he's out. So we won't talk about him right now, but Jalen Williams, I've seen it clear. Is he a kind of a starter guy for you? Is he a high rotational piece for you? Or does he spend some time in the G League? This is all this year, right? This year. Um, I think he starts as the off the bench. By the end of the year, he's a starter. I, I think at least. I think there's a chance he could like supersede Baisley. Like, whether it's like actually or not, but like minutes, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, for Usman Jang, I don't think he's a starter by the end of the year. Um, you might, he's, he's going to probably be a rotation guy. Uh, I don't see him being starter. He'd have to really, really take some advancements, which would be cool. I'm not opposed to it. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility of just not banking on it. I think it's unlikely more than anything. I think he'll get a lot of good reps in the G league. And then, um, for Jalen Williams of Arkansas, kind of the same boat. I think for him, they want to, I, I would guess they want to develop his shooting ability and just overall offensive refinement, put him in the G league when Jeremiah Robinson Earl's healthy and like, 
see what's up with him and down there in terms of offensive development. Uh, but at times, you know, towards the end of the season, I'd say from January on really the second half, he's in Oklahoma city. It's going to be a very fun season, even despite the very sad news that Chet Holmgren is out for the year. You can take advantage of this fun season by going to betonline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Plus, BetOnline is your continued source for all sport wagering like MLB, NBA, MMA, boxing, golf, NFL, NHL, everything that you need. So check them out today by going to their website, betonline.net. And whenever you go to betonline.net, you just open up their sports book. And Richard, let's place a fun wager because let's face it, a lot of the audience might only feel comfortable betting on the sports that they know the best, which is likely going to be the NBA. And let's go and bet on some NBA team wins. So you are a big Magic fan. You, you, you like the Magic a lot. And, of course, everyone on here is a big Thunder fan. The Magic win total is over under 26 games. Are you taking the over or the under on that? Man, I, I think I go over. I was like, don't say 26 or 27. Don't say 26 or 27. I think I'll go over because I think 27, uh, 28 is my expectation. And then the Thunder win total is over under 23 and a half. Are you going to go over or under on that? Hmm. Give me one second to think about that. How many how many wins did they get last year? I'm trying to pull this up. I want to say it was like 24. 20. Over. They'll get and 24, hopefully, 25. Of course, Hopefully SGA can play a lot more this year. And he is starting, though, injured with an MCL sprain uh, grade two. Hopefully, though, he'll be back pretty soon. At the most, it looks like, just from reading the internet, it looks like he'll be out maybe the first seven games of the year. Uh, so hopefully they can still, of course, um, capitalize on that win total. But go check out betonline.net. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And Richard, we're about set for the NBA season. You're doing great stuff at Locked On NBA Big Board all year long about the NBA draft. But I want to go backwards just real quick before we head into the 2023 draft. Your thoughts on Tail Maldon, are you in or out on Tail Maldon? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think I'm out on Tail Maladon. I just, I really don't buy that his finishing ability can get better. And I think his overall passiveness is almost unfixable. Uh, maybe I'm impatient, but I think in at least like this year's kind of a make or break year for him. I mean, he's horribly inefficient and his three point ball hasn't been a, effective. He hasn't been that great in pick and roll. Not really sure where he sticks. Pokashevsky in or out on Poku? No, nah, Poku, I'm in. I'm in. There, you get a lot more leeway when you're seven foot and can handle the ball in some capacity. Even if you're not like, you know, he was made out to be like a point forward, point center, but he's not. He never should have been. But like, he, he can handle the ball in some capacity. And when you're seven foot, that matters for something. So I, I think uh, I think I'm going to give him a couple more years, and also he's super raw. Like he can't made a way too early jump. Like this should be his first year in the NBA. Now, 
couple from last year, Trey Mann and Josh Giddy. With Trey Mann, what do you what do you think his kind of potential is at this point? I like Trey Mann. Um, I think you're kind of looking at it. it's similar to what I had pre-draft, but I see it a little bit more clearly now, which is uh, the Lou Will type, where it's like he's probably best coming off the bench in terms of a winning role. I think that's his best case. You can obviously start him occasionally and play him starters minute. That doesn't mean he's not allowed to play more than 25 minutes a game or something. But uh, I do think that getting him like off the bench, let him sub in for whoever it is, just let him be a score first guy. I think that's really valuable. And I, that's why I see him kind of as a six man. So you're right on it. I'm out on Tim Aldon. I'm in on Poku. And I think that Trey Mann is going to be a really, really good six man in his future. Now let's discuss Josh Giddy's ceiling real quick. Cause you just watched a, a full season of him as a rookie. Um, of course, I think that he's one of the best passers in the league already. And, and that was well known. Um, heading into the draft and also heading into the season. But the, the way that he flourishes a passer and a playmaker was just jaw dropping. And in summer league, I think that we saw a, a bit more um, rim finishing from him, uh, improved rim finishing from him uh, at that. So with what we know that we've seen and what projects to be a team that's now filled with SGA, the Jalen Williams is the Usman Jang, uh, Trey Mann, and then projected to be a nice pick in the 2023 draft. What is the ceiling of, of Josh Giddy, especially considering the pieces around him? Yeah, I mean, I think he could be pretty much a borderline all-star at the least. I mean, I think an all-star, actually, I'm being too conservative. I, I think he could be an all-star. You look at somebody who his rookie year averaged 12, 7, and 6. Like, that's only going to get better. I, I really don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to get 15, 99, you know, roughly. Like, I mean, he's going to flirt with averaging a triple-double which would be crazy because uh, Oklahoma city has already seen what that looks like. I don't know if he's an MVP player, kind of like Russ was that year, but uh, I do think he is an anchor in that regard and he gets his assist. Uh, I, I want to clarify this because the, the rewriting of history has made it out to be like Russ, like stat padded in a lot of ways. And, and first of all, I don't think he did, but that's always going to be coming question. So with Giddy, I don't think he stat pads in any way. I don't think it's like empty assists. Any, I don't think any of his stats really this year were empty calories, also, like he was helpful on defense. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Thunder were pretty good when he was on the court defensively. So I think he's got an all-star upside. Now, I need your unbiased opinion because you said that the, the ceiling, you did talk yourself up to all-star. Uh, I've talked myself all the way up to Jason Kidd being Josh Giddy's ceiling. Is that is that just way too far? Uh, I You're talking to a guy who doesn't compare anybody to Hall of Famers. So... um. I, I'm I like cut off Hall of Fame reservations for them or comparisons for the most part. So too far for me. Yes. Uh, All star point guard who has a brilliant sharp mind and can be a positive on defense. Absolutely is on the table, though. Now, we only got to see it in a very limited sample size because it just so happened that, you know, they were they were hurt opposite times of each other. Their best game together came in one game after the All-Star break, after they had like this kind of heart to heart meeting with everyone involved. Shay, Josh Giddy, Mark Dignall, and Sam Presti all had a meeting at the, after the All-Star break. They go out against Phoenix, have a great game together, and then Josh Giddy's out for the rest of the season. So we haven't got to see it a ton. But in your opinion, knowing, you know, studying these two players, can they fit together in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I think Giddy, I think Giddy can play off ball, which might be enough to justify it entirely. Um I also think that Shea is a little bit better at playing off ball than he gets credit for. So like, as long as it's I, at that point for me, it's like, is it an attitude? Like that's the only thing that could hold them back. It would be an attitude issue 
uh, for those two not fitting, in my opinion. I don't think a skill issue is in the way. And luckily, I don't think that there's an attitude issue in the way either, as you mentioned. Like, Josh Giddy has been very vocal about wanting this to work with SGA and vice versa. And so I think that this can really thrive. And, you know, on the last topic before we get into the 2023 draft, what is your outlook for this Thunder team? I mean, you did take the over in the 23 and a half wins, but like, how many teams in your mind right now are they better than? Well, uh, first, let me clarify. Like, I didn't mean to insinuate any any attitude issues are there. I just wanted to say, like, you know, just in case, like, some of the stuff we don't know behind the scenes. But to answer your question, I think there's safely two. Uh, I, I really just don't trust San Antonio. I think they're going to be the worst team in the league. And then, um, man, and you pick your poison. Utah, uh, Houston, I think one of those two. Houston's not worse, I don't think, than Oklahoma City on paper, but they play in the toughest division in basketball. So they're like the one team that's not a candidate to be a top five team in the conference. So that's automatically going to be like they might win three games in the division tops. Um, Oklahoma City, however, has to go with Utah. But the top of it is pretty heavy with uh, Denver and, and Minnesota. So they could be worse. I'd say there's – I think they're better than the Spurs, better by record than the Rockets, and better than – one random team in the East. It's going to be either Orlando, Houston, or sorry, Orlando, Indiana, or Detroit by accident. Yeah, I think that it'll be, I think that they could be better than Indiana just as a basketball team. And then we'll see what kind of funny business happens at the end of the season for every team involved. Uh, and this draft does lead itself to funny business as we're going to talk about coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're going to preview the 2023 NBA draft. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Richard, you're already headfirst into the 2023 NBA Draft. You can check them out at Mavs Draft on Twitter, MavsDraft.com, and Lockdown NBA Big Board. Let's just start with how how good is this 2023 draft? Because you're going to be coming on all the time, talk about this draft throughout the years. We always do with these last couple of years. So just as a starting point, just gush about this draft for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's really special in terms of star power. I can't speak yet. To the overall depth, I think that's something that is almost just natural given the state of basketball right now. Uh, I don't know the last draft, probably 2016 or 17 maybe, that didn't have dra- uh, depth in the bottom middle of the first round. And that just seems to be a staple at this point. So the star power is, is absolutely there. Uh, we have two generational prospects, in my opinion. Victor Wembanyama, who is – it's really hard to describe him. He's a unicorn. Like He is the unicorn of all unicorns. He's 7'5", 7'4". Uh, actually, we've gotten confirmed from our own Rafael Barlow on Locked on NBA Big Board that he is 7'5", can handle the ball, can make some really nice passes. He's not like a point guard or any, by any means, but he can make a couple moves here and there, the same way Poku can handle the ball. Uh, but he can make some nice passes. Outstanding defender, has an 8-foot-plus wingspan, so he knows how to use that tool in-game already, rebounds, finishes. He's a monster, and he's, he's 18, turns 19 January 4th of uh, next year, and He's special. And then you also have Scoot Henderson, who I would count as generational, being just ridiculously athletic, great playmaker, and 
he's got the right size. I, I just I think he fits in the NBA. He's an easy star. So those are the two headliners of this draft. What, what's what's kind of the sweet spot? We just mentioned it before, trying to discuss kind of who the Thunder are better than, who they're worse than, kind of where they're going to end up. You mentioned how deep this draft is in terms of star power. And the Thunder, luckily, have a guy in Chet Holmgren who people think can be a star, a guy in SGA who is a star, and a guy in Josh Giddey who can be an all-star type of guy. So they all, you know, they, they can afford kind of a cushion if they don't have lottery luck. Like, like the, the balance of the franchise is not hanging in ping-pong balls this year because of how deep this draft is in terms of top-end talent. But where's that sweet spot? Is, is it one through seven? Is it one through six, one through five? Where's that sweet spot of guys who you, could, you think would be a franchise guy, like a staple guy to add to this core? Yeah, I'd say probably six, one through six. But also, though, preseason is always going to look sweeter. Nobody's flaws have been pointed out. No holes have been shown. So, like, it's a lot easier to say that. Guys don't translate up. In 2021, I thought B.J. Boston was going to be one of the top guys in the draft. He went, like, 50th or something like that. So, you never know. But for me, there's there's about six guys that I would invest my franchise in at this moment. Uh, unfortunately, one of them also has a foot injury in Dariq Whitehead, who's at Duke. Uh, really athletic three-level score. And that, that kind of combination is just really special, but I'd say about six for now. Yeah. I, I use the same example of uh, last year, all throughout, all throughout these last few months of how this time last year, I had Patrick Baldwin Jr. in my top five. And uh, we <laughs> saw how that turned out with uh, yeah. injuries and, and some poor play as well. Who Who is kind of the guy that, and not even the, uh, not even like a 40th ranked prospect, not even like an under the radar guy in that ilk, but who's a guy that you think deserves more love for me. I mean, I think that Cam Whitmore is going to be incredible. Uh, I think that Kim Whitmore is going to be really, really good. Uh, and he's he's not underrated by any means, but I still think that he, you know, we, we draw a lot to Scoot and to Victor, but I think that Kim Whitmore is a guy that can go really, really high and make a huge impact. Who's kind of one of your guys early on? Yeah, Kim Whitmore is a great pick. I really do like him a lot. Um, I like Tyrese Proctor. He's out of Duke. Uh, really good shot creator. Just smooth, really clean shot. He's been playing in the NBA academies, about 6'4", 6'5". He has to fit with Dariq Whitehead, but with Whitehead out for a little bit, he'll be able to show off what he's got. I, I like him a lot. I think you're looking at one of the more fun players uh, in college basketball, so I like him. I also like Nikola. Uh, forgive me because I haven't mastered some of these names yet, but Juricic, Juricic, excuse me. Uh, he's over at Mega, same team that Nikola Jovic was at. Um, he is a big ball handler who can see the floor well, finishes well, and I buy the jump shot, just a complete offensive player. And then one other guy who who I like a lot, who I, I wouldn't say uh, – well, I'll stick with the lottery guys. So one other guy who I would say is in that mix is Keontae George. I think he's really good, uh, just elite shooter. I saw him a year and a half ago almost play when he was a rising junior in, in high school. And he – or excuse me, a rising senior – and his jump shot is just one of the smoothest I've ever seen. He was 17 years old, like 16, 17. It's ridiculous. He can handle the ball, too. He has a nice crossover. I think he's got the intensity to play on defense. Combo guards, who's kind of a tweener, but you're looking at one of the best shooters. It wouldn't shock me if he still goes to top 10. He could be in the mix for top six. And the last question here, as, as we're going to kind of creep up on the state pretty quickly, it, the, the, the Agility Ignite is going to have a fantastic two-game showdown between – Victor Mignogna and Scoot Henderson. What's that going to be like for you in terms of how important are those games in draft stock and in evaluation? Well, I know, I, I imagine at least uh, that, that Scoot Henderson is going to go pretty hard on this. Like, right. It's his home court. Essentially. Um, I want to see him just go 
110%. I want to see what intensity Victor Womanyama plays at because their season starts, I'm pretty sure it actually is really soon, like before then. So they're taking a break in the season, if I'm not mistaken, or right before the season starts. So I'm interested to see what his attitude and overall approach is to the game and what he brings, how much intensity, all of that. Those are the two things I'm going to look for is just really intensity on each of them. But also just are they going to be trying to do too much? How seriously are they taking the game? I'm, in, I'm interested to see. I would guess that because there's so much on the line, given that they're the number one and number two prospects in the world right now for immediate future, that they're both going to play super hard against each other and you're going to see a lot of deep bag one-on-ones in a way that uh, you don't normally see for guards and centers. Now, the last thing here, very, truly last thing, because I know we got to get out of here. For you, is there any shot of Victor Mignani not going one overall? Yes, uh, he has some injury concerns. So we just saw, I think Chet should have been number one, like we said. I think injury concerns matter a lot. There were some rumors floating around with Chet before the draft. There, you know, there were some long-term conditions and whatnot. But I think injuries matter, especially when you're 7'5". Like we've seen what happens if you're a big man who has injuries. Like guards and wings, just they're way more forgiving to injuries for those guys. Like Dariq Whitehead, I don't think teams will care that much about the foot injury. Jason Tatum also at Duke had a foot injury. There's been a lot of guys actually at Duke who have those preseason foot injuries and teams are like, it's fine, it's fine. But the second it becomes a center or a big man, teams get concerned. And because of that, I could see Wembenyama not going number one. I think he's the most talented player given his size, but I don't know if he's a home run pick to be number one. This is truly the last question. Is Scoot Henderson Henderson a fit for OKC? Is, 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 Is he a guy that you just throw caution to the wind and just draft them despite the position, despite the size. Yeah, he's worth the risk. I mean, like, the way I look at it is I'd be shocked if Scoot doesn't ever end up an all-star. He just played in the G League Ignite as a 17-slash-new-18-year-old, not eligible for the draft, and was one of the best players on the team a lot of for at least a lot of moments and collectively made up a good amount of time. And when you're that young, that unpolished in a way, and you're still that dominant, He's going to get better. I project him getting better. I don't think he's just going to like plateau or peak. Like, I mean, we've seen that happen a lot, but Scoot's just not that guy. He has a lot of room to improve in game to get better at that. His skills are already really strong at. Like, I think his jump shot, the three point percentage was really low. Free throw percentage is already there. The form is really good, but the makes weren't coming. When he starts hitting those threes, it's going to be over. Like, we're going to see a lot of takeovers. And for me, when you're picking at the top of the draft, I don't care if you have. Shea Gilders, Alexander, Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, all these people, and then another all-star guard or something in the brewing that we don't even know about, say Teo Maladon, for whatever reason, turns out to be like starter caliber. You still take Scoot Henderson because he's that good. He Talent wins. Like I, I very much am a believer in that where, I mean, this is not the best example because this team didn't win a title, but Chris Paul and Harden, they worked. Even though they had flaws, they were still one of the best backcourts in the in the NBA because they their talent together was too good. And that's what you want when you're picking out the top and Scoot fits that bill. Richard, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Thunder. Go check him out at Mavs Draft on Twitter, MavsDraft.com, and Locked On NBA Big Board. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.